Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team the Rays radio network proudly presents this week in Rays baseball the 3-1 swing and a drive left field and deep turning around Dominic Smith and there is a career high 17th homer for CJ Crone it's a three-run first inning shot and the Rays take a three-nothing lead coming up we'll recap the action from this past week take a look around major league baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game Right-hander pitches. Here's a towering drive. Way up into the air to right field. All the way back to the wall goes Judge. Gone! A three-run homer for Jake Bowers. And the Rays have jumped in front four to one. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show today from Hooters, Tyrone Square Mall in St. Petersburg. We have a Rays watch party later today. On today's show, you're going to hear from Tyler Glass now on coming to the Rays. We'll visit with Kyle Snyder about Glass now. Arrestus Distrada will join us from Fox Sports Sun. Plus, we'll hear from more 2008 Rays from this month's reunion. Well, we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our featured guest this week is one of the newest Rays, and Tyler Glass now. Tyler, we certainly appreciate a few minutes. Can you walk us through, because most people don't know what it's like to be traded when you found out and how surprised you were and what your emotions were after all that? It was honestly kind of crazy. Um, I didn't really hear anything before. In previous years, I'd always be involved in some sort of rumor, a trade rumor, and uh, I was sitting in the clubhouse with all the guys, and I'm sitting up watching TV, and I, I looks and says, like, Archer to be dealt to Pirates. And I like, looked over, and like they were like, ooh, I mean, it has to be, like, you and someone else, right? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Sure enough, like, ten minutes later, it sat on the screen, and, like, the media and everyone was in there, and I was kind of just looking around, and, like, no one had called me yet. And then it all I got a call, they told me to come in, and then that all happened pretty quick. And then I was out the next day, like early in the morning, and then I was starting that game. So like literally within a matter of like a couple hours, I was, I was traded and was about to start with a new team. Was it a feeling of excitement? Because you had spent, I mean, you think about it, you'd spent, what, seven, eight years of your life in one place pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was cool just because, I uh, we had spring training in Sarasota and I have a condo out there so that was kind of comforting I guess I could go there if I needed and uh, yeah it was exciting I think like a new experience for me was good and I was in Pittsburgh for so long and I think what I needed was a change of scenery um, with that being said though I mean I love all the coaches I love the high up guys there I love all the players like it was also very sad just because I had to say goodbye to everyone and uh, I know they all wish me well and I wish them well and now that I'm here I'm just um, slowly adjusting, and I really enjoy it so far. 
This has been an organization that is known for doing things a little bit differently, for relying somewhat on analytics, but also relying heavily on pitching. And I'm sure for those reasons, this has to be somewhat exciting with that fresh start. Absolutely. I think like the biggest changes I can see is, um, I mean, everything is it's just very advanced here. I think like with the analytics and how good the coaches are and, and uh, like training staff of everything is just like so efficient and I think they've had this routine and this program and that you can tell they put the time and effort into researching what the most optimum level of performance is and I, it's just like I said it's very advanced and I kind of I appreciate it and uh, I'm already learning a ton. Kyle Snyder also is a, a pitching coach who you can look eye to eye to and at yeah. six foot eight that's kind of rare. How excited were you to get that opportunity and what have you learned in your limited time with Kyle? I was saying that before too. I mean, in AAA, I always saw him, and I would always look at our guys and be like, "I wonder what uh, I wonder what that guy has to say." Like, just I'm talking to Snell and all those guys before I got traded over. They all respect him a ton and like him a lot. So, um, I had a really good pitching coach in Pittsburgh. Uh, Ray Searge is really good, and Justin Message was there too. And I worked with him for a lot of years. Um, so I just it was good going from good pitching coach to good pitching coach, and I've already learned so much from Snyder as, in terms of like where to pitch and like where my stuff plays. Um, like you were saying, there's definitely like an, an analytical aspect to it, and I, I kind of like that stuff. So, um, but I've learned kind of they just kind of big zone, use my stuff, and I think the confidence that they've shown in me has really helped me with my confidence. And the fact that he is tall, he probably understands what you deal with, the challenges of being a six-eight pitcher, and the benefits of it probably better than anyone. Absolutely, I think since it's I haven't really been here that long we haven't really gotten into too much mechanical stuff but I know he's really good with that stuff so I'm just excited to know that in the course of a season if anything does get kind of out of whack I'll have someone to go and talk to and I know him being 6'8 and a pitcher himself it's a good uh it's a good I guess area to go to with him talking with Tyler Glasnow on this week in Rays baseball and again the Rays have been known for being pitching rich you come from a high school in California that is pretty pitching rich too in fact Bob Walk who's one of the commentators on the Pirates broadcast came from there James Shields Mike Montgomery Trevor Bauer how many of those other than Bob had you come across I didn't know if you got to talk to James when the White Sox were here that one weekend for the 08 reunion I've actually never talked to Shields um but yeah Bauer Montgomery Faleka uh I mean, like Malone was in Saugus. I'm Tommy Malone. Uh, we have a, a couple guys, especially in our area, that are all big leaguers now, and I think we're all pretty proud of like what our area has done. Um, but yeah, I've talked to Bob a few times about it, and we always talk about all the talent to come out of there. So it's, I mean, it's a, an exciting time for that area right now, and I'm just proud to be a part of it. So what's in the water there? I mean, do guys? Is it that heavy, baseball oriented? Is it? Is it, uh, are the high school, it's the same high school that, you know, William Hart High School, or is that a, a is it grow, take from a larger area? Why, why is it so good in baseball? I really, I mean, I can't really answer that. I know that, I mean, Jim Mozell is the head coach at Hart, and he is a really phenomenal coach. He's been around baseball for a long time. I still talk to him this day, like text me yesterday after every start, he usually will send something to me. Um, but I mean, he, he runs his practices exactly like a pro practice. Like I didn't realize it until I got drafted and came over, like he, it really is all the same and he has a good foundation of knowledge. Um, there's also some really good pitching guys in that area. Like Jim Wagner has been there and I know Trevor Bauer and I, I work with him and I just think a lot of it, it's a huge, it's a year round baseball. It's California. Yeah. They have all those huge like tournament teams growing up and it's just a competitive atmosphere since you're like three years old. So I think it's just guys learn quick and then 
establish how to be good baseball players early. Were you always a baseball guy? Because I look at your background, your brother is a track and field athlete, your your dad was a decathlete, and your mom was a gymnast? Yeah, Did I re- so that's a, it, okay, is that part of that's wrong? No, so that's funny you say that. Like when I first got drafted that came out, somebody like came out with like the typo of my dad was a decathlete, and he, we would laugh about it so much. Uh, he swam growing up. Uh, my mom was a gymnast. She got NCAA Coach of the Year at – Northridge, and she was she competed at Fullerton. My brother was a decathlete in Notre Dame, trained for the Olympics for a little bit. And I, I mean, I grew up doing everything: football, basketball, track and field, baseball. I think if I was younger and you would ask me what I would have done professionally, I'd probably say like basketball or track or something like that. But as I grew older, baseball, I started to love it more. And I was I I got into high school, and that was just my only focus. I only played baseball. If you were a decathlete like your brother, which or, or if you picked one track and field event of the decathlon, which would be your, your best? So I did high jump growing up, and I got a silver medal in the Junior Olympics when I was younger. I don't even remember how old I was. But I would probably just do decathlete and, and do, like, the all the ten events. But I think my best event growing up and what I spent most time on was high jump. How, what was your best? It was like eight. I, I jumped five, ten maybe. It was like, I don't even remember what it was, but I was younger. So if I did it now, I don't even know what I would do, but um, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll pick it up one day. Who knows? All right. You know, you picked up, obviously, you've done pretty well with baseball. Were there certain players you grew up watching, wanting to be like? When did when? And were you always a pitcher, or were you a position player too? Yeah, I was a position player growing up. Um, in high school, I stopped just to be a pitcher. I was like the goofiest mess you've ever seen in high school. I had a size 15 shoe, and I was 5'8 in my freshman year. So, I, I mean, I played all those other sports, too, and I had to stop just because I was such a weird human being. I was, like, grown into myself. But uh, growing up, I, I did. I watched some baseball. Not a bunch, to be honest, uh, but I loved watching Randy Johnson throw. I loved watching. I mean, especially as I got older, being from L.A., Kershaw, all those guys. Um, I just, I don't know, I appreciated watching just good pitchers. Did you get to go to many big league games as a kid? And if so, where did you go? I went to a couple. I went to L.A. games, and, I mean, the traffic's such a nightmare, and I lived, like, 45 minutes away from it that it was kind of a rare occasion. But we would definitely go. My parents liked going to the games, too, but we would watch them on TV a lot. So my parents were, were, would always watch baseball, especially when I got drafted. What's been your best moment so far um, as a professional, and why? Oh, wow. I don't know, man. There's been a lot. I think getting drafted has to be up there just because it's something you work for your whole life. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously debuting the big leagues for sure. That's what I mean. That has to be number one. Um, That's a day I'll never forget for sure. This is a game where obviously you have to deal with success and failure. What do you do when you're away from the field to try and relax to make sure baseball doesn't consume you? Uh... Honestly, I like to read. I like to listen to music. I like podcasts a lot. That's probably what I do most of my time, read and listen to podcasts. Uh, and when my girlfriend comes down, I like to hang out with her. And more so in the off season, I like to travel a lot. So um, I'd say those things. But during season, probably, yeah, just those those couple things. In addition to the listening back to this podcast so you hear your interview, what podcast do you like to listen to? I like uh, Tim Ferriss is really good. Uh, Joe Rogan, that's always a good one. He t- has a lot of good guys on there. Um, Gladwell has a podcast. That I've listened to a couple of those, uh, but mostly Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss stuff, just like stuff like that, just like smart people coming on and having a good host talk about just like a variety of topics is kind of what I like. And music-wise, what do you listen to and why? Because I've read a couple things. I want to make sure I'm not I'm, – I, since I was wrong on the decathlete. Oh, okay. I listen to, honestly, everything. Like, uh, Budo Spanish is really good. I like uh, 
jazz, everything from that to like a lot of old school rap. Probably rap is what I listen to most, like Nas and a lot of old school New York rap and stuff along there. And I like just a lot of instrumental stuff. Like, it's probably what I like to go to most. And how do you pick your walkout song? I've just listened to Nas growing up a lot, and uh, I just, I don't know, something about, I just really like how good of a lyricist he is and that's why I appreciate how much time and effort he puts into his music and I just I really like the way it sounds certainly you're again getting to know your new teammates uh, Blake Snell is a guy who kind of got unlocked this year and has had a breakthrough year and a lot of people look at the talent you have and he have you had many conversations and how helpful do you think it will be to be right alongside him his locker room not far from yours Sure, yeah. I mean, I'm, we're locker buddies right now, so I'm sure that's by design. Um, I've watched him dominate the minor leagues coming up, and him and me were kind of in that same boat coming up through the minors. And um, he came up here and has had a bunch of success, and we've definitely gotten to know each other well from the short amount of time I've been here. But, I mean, even after yesterday, I kind of sit down and talk to him after, and I think from stuff-wise, we have very, very similar stuff as far as fastball and curveball and the way it's shaped and it breaks. He's obviously a lefty, but um, I think I can – watch how he approaches teams and pitches teams and kind of take take what he's doing and, and kind of learn from it for sure. And he's a really good guy. Um, he, I mean, the day I got traded over, he sat and talked to me for a while. So he's just a good-hearted dude. I know you've talked to him a, a few times, and he's just I just like him as a person, and I like him as a teammate. One thing I'm, I'm kind of curious because we're getting to know you a little bit, five years from now, if I sit down with you again, where do you want to be? What do you want people to be saying about Tyler Glass now? I don't know. I kind of – more so, I guess, as a personal goal, I just want to obviously still be in the big leagues, and I want to be an established starting pitcher. Hopefully, I'm still with the Rays. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I want to I want to hopefully have a World Series in there and maybe a couple more. Um, but, yeah, I just want to, I think the biggest, the coolest thing that could happen would be on a successful winning Rays team with some, with some World Series rings. Well, here's to that and lots of success on the mound. We certainly appreciate a few minutes on this week in race baseball. Absolutely, anytime. It's Tyler Glass now, and we continue in just a moment. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Hopefully you caught our last segment with righty Tyler Glass now. I had a chance to sit down with Tyler's pitching coach, Kyle Snyder, and ask Kyle about working with someone who's similar in height. It's definitely unique. It's the first time I've had the opportunity to work with somebody that that is six eight, and you know, so I. It's unique because there's just not many you know pitchers out there. I guess through the course of um, you know even baseball history, uh, it was at least brought to my attention that there's only been about thirty or forty, I believe, that have been six foot eight. But it is unique. I mean, I, I dealt with. Uh, a lot of challenges myself, you know, as, as a pitcher at, at a similar height, not quite as tall as Tyler. Given um, in a relatively short career, I've experienced some of the difficulties that he's, he's faced with just in terms of controlling the body with the length of the levers that he has that comes with being 6'8". You know, I, I think it is unique, but I also think that being around Tyler for the last week plus, having seen him pitch, um, on the other side of the ball, a handful of times, he has athleticism that most six foot eight pitchers, that at least that I've come across, that, that don't demonstrate. And I, th- I think that gives him a, a unique advantage, given his height and developing some body control. And some of the things that he identified a couple of weeks ago that he's brought to Tampa Bay mechanically, um, that he's been able to, to put to work here the last couple of games. So much about coaching 
where the player is trust. And the fact that you're taller, I think, has also created a level of trust that maybe he might not have with other guys. Maybe, you know, but you know, I've, I've met a lot of tall guys that I don't necessarily trust. So it's not, but I think given that, um, you know, maybe it does give me a little bit more of a platform, right? Just some of the things that I've dealt with in my career and, and you know, just the margin for error, you know? I mean, just given that you're, you're, you're trying to, to fine-tune things that are probably a little bit easier in theory for a six-foot right-handed pitcher to, to, to fine-tune or to shore up. Blake Snell has truly broken through this year, and he's a special talent. But how talented is Tyler? They're just—they're equally as talented. I mean, I, I mean, Tyler's—he uh, he, at the moment doesn't have the fourth pitch. We're going to reintroduce the changeup. I think at some point in time, between now and the end of the season. But you're talking about elite stuff. You know, Blake's six-five. You know, Tyler's six-eight, right and left-handed. Both throw the ball in the upper 90s. Both have swing and miss, put away breaking balls, multiple breaking balls. Um, I, I think they, they, they have a really, really good chance of growing alongside one another and being really, really impact starting pitchers in the American League. How exciting is that for you to have a chance to work with two kids with that kind of talent level? It's it's really exciting. I mean, it's really exciting to be able to, to continue to build the relationship that I've had with Blake over the last six years. Uh, and, and certainly to get to know Tyler. But, you know, the stuff that both of those guys bring to the table, you know, from uh, a coach's perspective is is, is unique and, and, and certainly um, something that I look forward to each day. The biggest challenge I would think for Tyler would be controlling the running game. We haven't seen a team that runs a lot, but we have seen when he has had base runners that guys have run on him. How do you balance making sure he stays and focused on strike zone but also doesn't allow guys to run wild on him when he does deal with multiple base runners. Well, we have specific points of emphasis, right, things that we're prioritizing first. Um, I, I think the defending of the running game is something that we're going to have to prioritize. I mean, it's something that we'll probably continue to talk about on his work days, you know, going forward, giving him a more competitive, or at times at least showing a more competitive set delivery time with base stealing threats, you know, on you know on first or second. I, I, I think over time it's it's just going to be finding a delivery be it a step and go or a little quicker step um that he doesn't sacrifice stuff for command in an effort to be quicker to the plate um no different than any other pitcher um you know he's he's at a little bit of a disadvantage you know just given given the height and, and just the size but uh i this will be something that he and i will continue to talk through the remainder of this season uh but probably be a bigger point of emphasis uh, of ours and of, of his going into next season. Because I would think it's harder to do while you're in the midst of, of playing, right? You, could get, you get a six, eight-week buildup, throwing sidelines prior to spring training. Uh, you, you probably have – that's probably a better environment, right, to address something delivery-wise. There's no reset button that's going to be hit. There's no wholesale change that's going to be made to a set delivery. But I think the time that you, he'll have – and the number of pen bullpens that he'll be throwing leading up to 2019 spring training will probably be a, a better atmosphere, right, to, to kind of sort through some of these things in terms of a set delivery time that's, that's a little bit more competitive. And that is Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder. Joining me now to discuss the week on by for the Rays is Arrestes Destrada of Fox Sports on and oh, an interesting last seven days, certainly, including a much-needed series win in New York. I think it's massive. Uh, you know, even, so, even though uh, quite a few of them, you know, had not been in the mix of 
was a bad series, even you know as soon as uh, as earlier in the season, because we've had quite a turnover in the last couple of months. They get it. They understand it. Uh, they've either been in the organization in, in Durham and 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 hear the news, or as soon as they come in from other teams and trades, etc. And for this group, I mean, look, they've had a, a nice season. I think in a lot of ways, when you consider all the turnover, all the injuries, this group has done a, a remarkable job in so many ways keeping it together. But the next step really is to learn how to beat the big boys, and that's New York and Boston right now. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it is that next step. And here's a curious thing. In the last you know month, month and a half, you know, as we were getting into a, a schedule of a, initially in that first part of it, uh, some really complicated, you know, games, some, some challenges with Houston, Washington, Boston, you know, all coming into town, except the Yankees, and, and, and then, you know, really actually hanging really tough with them. Then all of a sudden, you know, we were like, okay, we have these sub-500 teams, uh, and these young guys uh, struggle. So it's just the, the volume of the season, having, you know, lived it, you kind of go in the seventh flow and you don't get as consistent as some of the other veteran teams. You know, obviously the the play, and then if you have a little bit of a hiccup, then you go back to playing the big boys again. You're, you're going to get beat up. So uh, they definitely try to, you know, get, right now I'm seeing them really get worked, you know, worked up positively to, to make great challenges, uh, to finish strong, and to kind of tick some people off as, as you go into the rest of August and, and, and the months of, of September. You know, 07 was a jumping point or jumping off point for 08. A lot of people believe the way they won the final couple months of that season kind of helped with the overall attitude. Can a good finish to 2018 help to 2019? I, I think dramatically. One of the reasons for that, as opposed to certain past years, is that we really didn't know what the roster entailed in those past years, uh, even finishing strong a few years ago, you know, you're like, okay, boom, there was turnover to some degree, quite extensively to you know a certain core of the team, both pitching and, and hitting. It's much different uh, this year, better than I see it coming into the winter. I, I see a lot of guys that are probably going to stick around the area, take their little vacations, but these are all young guys that really should not be going anywhere. Maybe, you know, one or two might be mixed in a trade to try to get, you know, a, a certain puzzle piece. But other than that, I, when was the last time that we've seen so many very talented kids, both pitching and offense, that we know are all coming back? So it's truly, uh, if they finish strong, you got a lot to build on. And I think another thing that was nice this week to get back, you talk about getting back, is one of the veterans that the race actually acquired at the deadline. I mean, it was a shame that Tommy Pham got hurt, but it was great to see him back. And, boy, he makes a lot of really good hard contact. Oh, man. Uh, he really does. Uh, this guy's an impact player. The likes uh, of a Ramos in, in, as an outfielder. I mean, that's, that's the type of description you can make with him. Given a healthy full season, He's the type that, that I think could just, you know, perennial be an all-star for the next few years. He's still young enough, strong enough, has enough ups and enough games under his belt and success at a great organization like St. Louis Cardinals to, to not, you know, be shy. This isn't, with no disrespect to the guy that I that I love dramatically and Sousa Jr. coming over from Washington and kind of having to feel out the major leagues, the American League, coming from the National League. Uh, this is a guy that, that knows what, what it takes. And um, I think his impact will be felt the rest of the way and dramatically over the, over the off season. He's not going anywhere and into, uh, you know, he's an arbitrary.
arbitration guy is going to get paid, you know, nicely, but not. We're not talking, you know, uh, major uh, free agent dollars. So yes, he's he's a, he's a super impact. You and I, you know, have talked before, Neil. I still feel that I'd like to see. Uh, I don't know a DH type, uh, though. Really, the DH looks to be again CJ Crone next year with a talented kid at first base and Bowers. But I'd like to see one more like real bopper with the loss of Ramos. Uh, you know, I can't expect it to be Perez, uh, but he's a nice, fine, fine young hitter. But I'd like to see that one big bat, you know, in right field, left field. Maybe not play all the time, but get a good three, four hundred at bats and and, hit, and scare twenty, twenty-five home runs. Fair point. And and oh, as you look down the the stretch of the final six weeks, is there anything in particular you either want to see or anxious to see how it evolves with this group? Several. The combination of Snell finishing out the season alongside uh, Tyler Glass. Now those two really, really could could end up being um, you know something not just special, but all-star uh, to some level, maybe, you know, superstar in, in nature. And it could be a one-two that could be dramatic. Uh, those guys uh, are important to me. The bullpen guys, a guy like Diego Castillo, he's tiring through the season. This has been a grind for him, but he's got such great talent. I want to see if he can find, as, well, as a very good coach of mine used to call it, you know, he's got deeper into August, uh, a second skin and be able to, to finish strong. Um, great to see Chaz Rowe back in the mix. He had a, you know, I'm so excited to have hopefully have him a full season. And then offensively, you know, it's guys like Malik Smith to finish strong. Uh, I'd like to see Kevin Kiermaier figure some things out and go into the offseason, you know, on an uptick, maybe be able to, you know, reach maybe 300 for the month of September and work off of that. You know, those are the things that, that you want to try to look and, and, and finish strong. You know, C.J. Crone. You know what I love to see with CJ? You know what a big fan of him and, and how excited I am about him this year and in future years. Get hot again. Get to 30 home runs. Get to that mecca. You know, up in the you know 80s RBIs and maybe have a hot September and, and, and sneak in even higher than that if he could. Get himself, you know, established in his mind and in the league as a premier home run hitter. I think he's cool. he can do that. Oh, good stuff. Thanks for it. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy. Go race. And that is the big O.R.S.'s Destrada. Right now, let's pause for station identification on the Race Baseball Network. This is 620 WDAE St. Petersburg. It is gone! WBTP HD3 Clearwater. And 95.3 FM. Home of the Rays. You may remember Daniel Robertson visiting the son of writer Joey Johnston after Daniel hit a walk-off Grand Slam last month. Joey Jr. suffered a tragic injury, and the Rays are among the teams creating an area-wide fundraising effort with the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Joining me now from there is Executive Director Rob Higgins. Rob, thanks again for coming on the program. No problem. Thanks for having us on. Rob, tell me a little bit about the genesis of this, and maybe for fans who don't know, obviously kind of walk us through kind of the background of what occurred with, with Joey's son and, and the, the whole story there. Sure thing. Uh, Joey Johnson's been such an incredible sports writer for, for our community for, for so long. And, I mean, you go back to the days of, of Tom McEwen and, and many others that have followed, and and Joey's been a huge part of the, the fabric of our, our sports community here. And on uh, July 8th, uh, just last month, his son was involved in a, in a really tragic accident that has, has left his lower body paralyzed still at this point in time. And so as, as really only Team Tampa Bay can do with the, the Rays and our, our other 
franchises like the Bucks and the Lightning and USF and the Rowdies, we've all banded together here uh, to do what we can for the family, and we've created this 50-50 raffle uh, where half of the proceeds go to the winner of the raffle and the other half go to just the significant needs from a medical standpoint when it comes to to Joey Jr.'s recovery. And so it's just really cool to see how the the sports community here has come together in really an unprecedented way, and we couldn't be more appreciative. And I can tell you the Johnston family is uh, is in that same boat and just blown away by the support. I would uh, assume that you've had a lot of conversations with them over the last several weeks? We have. Uh, I was just on the phone with um, Joey uh, yesterday, uh, we had him in our office last week when he was back in town. Uh, Joey's son is up in Atlanta at, at uh, the Shepherd Center, which is one of the best uh, rehabilitation centers in the, the entire country. And it, it's certainly a, a slow process, but uh, he's a very courageous kid and in uh, doing everything he can to be able to, to, to make it stronger each and every day. And so, um, you know, we we just have been trying to stay in in constant communication with the family, keep them updated on the uh, the team Tampa Bay for Joey J fifty fifty raffle and everything's going on. We've got billboards and the radio spots and the, everybody. Well, I mentioned the support of of the Rays and so many others as the word's gotten out on this thing. It's it's been a pretty cool groundswell of support in terms of others jumping on to see what they can do as well. And so we've been trying to keep uh, Joey uh, apprised of all those things so that he can communicate with his, his son in terms of everything that's happening to show support for, for his recovery. And certainly it's awesome to have so many organizations working together on this. And I would think part of this is, A, the impact that Joey has had as a writer in this area, but also remembering that a lot of the writers who work in this area, like Joey, are doing it on a freelance basis, and they don't have the benefits of um, a lot of the medical benefits that some of us have. You're right. And I think you're, we're, we're in a, an era right now where a lot of times maybe local media or national media and others don't necessarily – know that uh, 100% of the time that, that people have their support. And so it, it's something when you deal with somebody as special as Joey's been to our community, it was really a, a, a no-brainer for, for all of us to come together and, and support his son. I mean, his son is such a, a great athlete. Uh, you know, he, st- he was a freshman on the varsity team at a local high school at, a, at Alonzo. And so this is such a a tough thing on so many levels from you know emotionally to physically and and uh, it's really the absolute least we could do to try to to mitigate some of the expenses as best we can and then show that um support that uh, that that so many people have have jumped on whether it was Daniel Robertson and the whole Rays front office and then all the other franchises as well it's it's, like I said, really the least we can do, and we appreciate any additional support people can provide. Well, it's awesome that you guys, again, have put this together, and people can go to what, TeamTampaBayForJoeyJ.com to find out more? That's right. Yeah, for you can get chances for as, as little as $10, and then there's obviously some incentive to get additional chances at, at higher dollar values as well. And then the really cool thing with it is, each of the franchises, in addition to help promote this thing, have given 
some some great prizes so that we're having uh, drawings almost every day, which include you know a Kevin Kiermeyer signed ball on one of the days, and then uh, a suite with food and beverage to one of the Rays games as well on another one of the days. So uh, some great prizes, and even if you take home one of those, you're still eligible for the, the, the drawing of the grand prize, which, I, as I mentioned, was 50% of the overall pot, which will take place on, on August 28th. So a lot of different ways to win, but the, the biggest win with any luck will be for our, our good friend Joey Johnston. No doubt about that. Rob, great stuff. Um, I'm sure our fans are going to contribute in whatever way they can, and we appreciate some time on this week in Rays baseball. Uh, thanks so much for you and, and really the entire Rays organization for their support of one of our, our great local kids and families here. That is Rob Higgins of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission. Again, the website, TeamTampaBayForJoeyJ.com. More after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Time now on This Week in Race Baseball for our latest feature on 20-year employees in this 20th anniversary season. Hi, this is Kevin Osborne. I am the Southwest Crosschecker. I started with the Tampa Bay Rays back in October of 1995. I spoke with uh, Dan Jennings, who was the, uh, the scouting director at the time. I had recently uh, had worked for the Yankees and... Uh, there was a group of us that were kind of let go, and uh, right when the Rays were starting up, and DJ gave me a call to come on over and sit down and talk, and we did, and, and the Florida position uh, at the area guy was opened up, and I was very interested in, in doing something of that nature, and, and uh, it all worked out, and I was, uh, I was excited to start with a, a new organization that was moving from the, from the start. What's been the best part about your time with the Rays to this point? I think really the people that I've worked with, they look out for you, they let you do your job, they want your input, and uh, it's been a really enjoyable experience. Uh, what would you consider your greatest uh, personal accomplishment uh, in your time with Tampa Bay? The information's a lot more available these days than it was back then. So being able to handle all that and organizing everything and being a part of that I'd say that was probably the, the biggest accomplishment, becoming a, uh, a better scout. Is there anyone particularly over the years, draft-wise, that you were especially proud of, either the what you put in for them that ended up with the Rays or, or otherwise? I would say a couple guys, one being Wade Davis, and the other guy would have been uh, Alex Cobb. And Alex was a guy we also uh, kept tabs on throughout the spring and had an okay spring in high school, but... Was a, was a guy I kind of really had a gut feel for and really liked the kid and was a, you know, really a baseball kid, you know, and he really had an idea of understanding what he was trying to do. And again, fortunately, it was, was a situation where, you know, he fell to a, a spot where we were able to get him, which was great. And what's one thing, Kevin, that uh, makes you unique that maybe you haven't mentioned about your story? I think I'm just probably an everyday guy that I'm not – not overly unique in any form or fashion. Just came out of the Midwest and ended up getting down in Florida and playing some baseball and then running into a guy by the name of Brian Sabian, who's now with the San Francisco Giants. Is there one of the presidents there? And Brian and I became friends, and that's how it all started when he asked me to come work for the Yankees. And you know, I think it's been a it's been a great road that I've traveled through this thing and being a part of 
Major League Baseball, and it's been a it's been a fun trip, and hopefully it continues for a long time. Congrats to Kevin Elfring on 20-plus years with the Rays and many more to come. As I told you, we had a lot of great interviews from the 08 reunion we've used throughout this month and have some more today. Among them, the MVP of that club shortstop, Jason Bartlett. Jason lives now in Naples and says it's hard to believe it's been 10 years since seeing that these guys, season. Seeing these guys, talking about the stories again, it's, it's always fun. You're obviously in good shape right now. What are you doing with yourself? Let our fans know. Uh, my wife and I own a gym in Naples. Uh, it's a high-intensity interval training. We, um, we took two years off after I was done to just relax. You know, we, we gave ourselves two years to decide what, what we want to do next. And, you know, this is a passion of ours, you know, stay in shape and, you know, show my boys some good work ethic and how, how it is to be healthy. Do they play the game at all, your boys? They love it. You know, they're nonstop, running around the house, uh, swinging, uh, throwing balls around. Typical boys, but baseball definitely is their passion. What do you tell them, or have they asked at all about that year, and are that you think they'll ask after this weekend? My son downloaded it to our Apple TV, so he watches it, and if there's any time where I say, all right, pick something on, on TV to watch, my youngest, and he'll pick that, so he loves it. And he's how old now? He is seven. Pretty cool. That's got to feel good for you, too. Yeah, well, he's the reason why I, in 14 I tried to come back, just so he could see me play. Um, and so he, he never got a chance to see me, so that's something I feel bad about. But he sees it on TV now. You were the MVP of the team as voted by the baseball writers in the Tampa Bay market. What does that mean when you look back on it? Well, I actually have that, <clears throat> that award, that plaque in, in my room, and I see it. And, you know, I know they got a lot of stuff for it because the numbers weren't amazing. You know, and we, I always talk to people, you know, that award – it's called most valuable, you know, who was valuable or who had the best numbers. You know, and it's tough because that year there was so many guys, man. Like, if you're going valuable, you could have given it to Cliff or uh, Hinsky, you know, but you don't give a, a role player MVP award, you know. So it's – they could have given it to anybody. I'm, I'm definitely uh, appreciative of it and I'll always think of it. Personally, so many of you contributed in so many ways to that season. What are your favorite personal moments of that year? Personal moments, probably just uh, – being able to to live on the beach and so when I got here Carlos I said he's my biggest mentor that year but he said Jay look at it this way we live on the beach because we live in the same building and we just enjoy our time and then we get to, get to go play baseball at nighttime you know because baseball's a grind the, the season's a grind and guys will tell you um, I never like to live close to the stadium because once I'm done here I want to get away and so that was you know you wake up see the beach see the ocean you know, enjoy your time with the, the family and then go play baseball. It, it was the perfect combination. Are there certain hits, plays that stick out to you from that year, personally? Uh, the one that everyone used to always talk about is, is the safety squeeze. Um, but now it seems like a lot of people do it. Or defenses know how to defend it now, so it, it doesn't work a lot. But Eucalyptus was, was so good at it. You know, he'd come charging, charging from first, and it was always tough with him. But, you know, I got it down, and... You know, it, it was a high pitch. I probably shouldn't have attempted it. I remember that. So it, it was. there's so many things, but that was something we always worked on and took pride in. How nice is it to see Aki again? I mean, you guys obviously had a special bond on the field as a double play combination that year. Yeah, I mean, it's like we never we never missed a step here, but, you know, I got to get on him for not still having a translator, you know. <laughs> still having a translator, and, you know, he's, he looks the same. I f told him we should go out and take some ground balls, turn some double plays, and we, we could do it.
What does it mean to catch a first pitch from him and be part of all this? And who are you tight with? Do you still talk to Carlos? Do you still talk to some of the guys? Carlos and Ben, uh, and I talk to those guys a lot. Obviously, Ben's still playing, so he's busy. And, you know, Carlos is doing the MLB, so he's busy. Um, just every now and then. But it, baseball's weird like that. Like, it's a, it's a big family, but once you, you – you could be away from someone for a long time, and when you see him just like today, like, it's like it was yesterday. And the moment when he stepped on second, you were expecting maybe to get the ball? I was, you know, but then as soon as I saw him, like, run to the bag, like, it's, I didn't care. You know, touch the bag, let's, let's go celebrate and let's move on. So that, that was the thing. But I always gave him, gave him trash for that. Like, just give me the ball, man. And now, now he steals it and puts it in his back pocket. <laughs> That's Jason Bartlett and some great memories from the shortstop and MVP of the 08 season. Now, while Bartlett was MVP that year, many say the acquisition in 07 of Dan Wheeler got the ball rolling in the right direction. I discussed that with Dan and how quickly time has flown since 08. It's funny I think about it. It's like I don't know where the time has gone, you know, 10 years since this. And, you know, I think I've been done playing baseball for almost five. And I just like, what's going on? Where's my life going? It's going so fast. But you know what? I've been very fortunate to have done this as long as I did. And uh, now I get to enjoy my family a little bit. So. How much fun was it to reminisce with some of the guys, and how often do you stay in touch with them? Um, not as much as we should, and I think we're all guilty of that, um, but it is tremendous. It's awesome just to see some of the guys and, you know, see some of the kids, and some, some of them are just they're growing so much, and that's the kind of the – it's like you don't – you forget, you know. You see them as babies, next thing you know, 10 years later, it's like, oh, my gosh, they're – they're teenagers and you know and I see it from the other end you know with my my buddies these guys are coming in seeing my kids and it's just um you know I wish we could hang out like this all the time was it the most fun year you had though in baseball and if so why um yeah I mean listen I was lucky enough to go to two world series um so whenever I think about my career it's always one of those it's like oh you know 05 with the Astros and 08 with the Rays um it's tough to come you can't really compare either one um but yeah, definitely, because when you have uh, that kind of camaraderie out there in the, bull, in, in the bullpen, in the field, in the, in the clubhouse, and you actually go out there and get the job done, there's nothing like there's nothing that can replace that on the baseball field. When did you think that 08 team was for real? You know, I think I just kind of told the same story um, uh, uh, a second ago, but it was when we came back from the All-Star break, and... Everyone was kind of waiting for us to falter, you know, because that's the kind of the history of the Rays. They're not going to whatever. They're not going to do it. And we came back and won six out of seven right after the All-Star break and kind of took command of the AL East again. I mean, we never really ran away with it because the Red Sox and the other teams are so were so good that year. Um, but when we came back and won six out of seven, and I think we won six in a row and then lost our seventh, that was when I realized, like, okay, this is for real. We have we have the team, you know. We have the, we knew we always had the talent, but it was like, can we mentally stay in this? And after that, I, I knew we could. What was your or what were your favorite moments? Well, the obviously it has to be Trevor Miller getting that last out to clinch a playoff spot. There was you know first time ever in Tampa Bay his, Tampa Bay uh, Rays history. Um, that goes probably the first, just because that was that was it, and then. Obviously, going to the World Series, David Price on the mound, Aki making that play, and the dog pile on, on, on the home plate. I mean, there's, you know, there's, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it right now. You got so many big outs, too. Were there any personally that mattered more than any other? <sighs> no, every big out, every out's big, but I tell you what, you know, um, I, what I was able to do, I mean, I think about um, game two, keeping our guys, you know, in the game and that, and, and, uh, 
because I think if we lost that game, there might have you know, the, the series could have definitely changed. But um, you know, and that's a job as a bullpen. You just kind of go out there, you know, whether it's to hold a lead or keep the lead or or to keep the lead or the the the, the score where it is. You know, I took pride in that, and I think um, was able to keep them at bay, that hard-hitting Red Sox team in 2008 to give ourselves a chance to win and that was probably that was that was a memorable a memorable outing for me how was the chemistry like for that bullpen that year because you guys all pitched so well down the stretch amazing i mean listen i don't think we could go out there and do that if we didn't have the chemistry a good a good great chemistry that um you need to have you know we were out there pulling for each other you know making sure like hey you know if you know pick somebody up if somebody didn't have that good of a day which thank goodness we didn't have too many bad days you know but you know in baseball you're going to have some bad days that's just that's just the way it is but uh for the most part we you know we were out there if uh, you know jp or grant or you know trevor or chad were out there i was you know i was like we were out there like you know pulling for them as much as we would be out if we were out there pitching and i think that's important in in the unity of a bullpen and obviously you're spending a lot of time with your family right now what other things are you doing here in tampa bay i help coach youth baseball uh kangaroo court which is it's 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 a big passion um i was very hesitant to get back into uh, travel baseball but when you're uh uh with kangaroo court it was a no-brainer for me you know the guys jason miller uh, who owns it is uh, he's tremendous and um, there's there's a special there's a special thing there going on and we we actually have a kangaroo uh, we have a golf tournament coming up September 8th at the Bardmore and it's uh, helped raise funds for you know hopefully scholarships uh, for well-deserved kids that go on uh, to f- further their uh, career in baseball. Dan Wheeler on the 08 season it certainly was great two weeks ago to see race players and coaches from that 08 team but also that on-field announcer Rusty Kath and I asked Rusty what returning to Tropicana Field was like. It was, you remember when you came back uh, from college that first summer and you go into your bedroom and everything's kind of weird? That was a little bit what it was like stepping onto the field for the first time. But it was incredibly cool just to see the, uh, the players. And then just getting these great warm greetings from, you know, Brian All, Matt Silverman, Stu Sternberg. Um, and the fact that they were lit up about what the weekend was all about, the 2008 reunion. Um, it was pretty darn cool to be a part of it. What were your best memories from the season? From 08? It was, here's, here's when I look back at it, that's when the point I realized that I don't know enough about broadcasting to do your work. Because I'm telling people before the season starts, this is going to be a pretty good team, okay? I think these guys might win between 75 and 80 games. I think they're going to be that good. Mind you, the, the team had never won more than 70 in a season up to that. And it showed that I didn't know anything because they go on to win 97 in the regular season. The, looking back at it, too, there, was, there were so many moments where it's just like, yeah, they're just going to win these games. I think back to the Cubs series back in 08, and the Cubs hadn't been in Tropicana Field for I don't know how long, if they'd ever been there. And you saw people coming in Cubs gear the first two games of the series. The Rays won both of those games. I saw many of those same fans who I saw around the ballpark. That third game, they were wearing Rays gear that game. Those kind of moments stand out, too. What do you remember about the whole playoff run, and what do you remember about where you were when stuff happened? You know, I, I remember going onto the field um, after the, the Rays clinched. So they clinch against the Minnesota Twins. It's a foul ball out caught by Evan Longoria. And uh, I go onto the field because I get to do interviews and, and that kind of stuff. 
And I'm down there, and it's just this amazing thing where you're looking around and you're seeing all these people. And then I got to do this thing that it sounded so foreign. It's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have Ray's playoff gear available. It was such a foreign concept at that point. That was one of the big memories. The other one is when the Game 7, ALCS, and they beat the Red Sox. And I was coming on the field afterwards, going to be doing a couple interviews and that kind of thing. And I remember Deion Navarro uh, hugging me, just squeezing me, saying, like, I told you we were going to do this. I told you we were going to do this. And I was just thinking, oh, we've never spoken, Navi. This is the first time <laughs> we've actually talked to each other. Uh, but I'm like, yeah, I knew we were going to as well. Uh, so pretty darn cool the fact that just some guy who was hosting contests on the video board got to be in the midst of all that. Let our fans know what you're doing now, because I don't think most people knew that you actually were commuting from Minnesota while doing on-field duties for the race. It is a 1,307-mile commute that I was doing all the time. Yeah, so I was based out of Minnesota. My wife uh, and I have a house up there, and so I'd fly down and do the Rays games, do a homestand, and then fly back up north after the homestand was done. That's what I did throughout the course of my career. And then after we had our first child, Gracie, uh, in 2014, born in 2013, so 2014 was the first season with her, it just got to be too much traveling back and forth, and we wanted to raise our family close to our family who's back in Minnesota. So nowadays, uh, I'm in Minnesota. I'm doing a little bit of the work I did uh, here. I do a handful of games for the Twins. I do a lot for the Minnesota Wild. I uh, do uh, same kind of work for uh, U.S. figure skating. I became a licensed auctioneer. I'm doing some commercial acting, and then my agent gives me some other live events as well. Well, so I'm keeping pretty busy. Do you miss this at all? Like crazy. I, I, man, you get back here, and partially it's getting back with the players and, and, and the front office. And that's a big thing. But you kind of hang out with the fans. And what I missed was when I'd work a game, part of it was hosting some contests on the video board. But mostly what I was doing was I was walking around the ballpark and sitting down, chatting about people while I kept score and looking at their scorecard. And we were just, you know, I just got to be a fan talking, well, you know, what, what do you think they're going to do with this guy? Are they going to move him up and down in the order? You know, what, what, what kind of moves should they maybe make towards a trade deadline? Are they going to do anything? Are they pick somebody up? Are they going to trade someone? That's the kind of stuff I miss, just interacting with the fans. Do you still follow? Not nearly as much as I used to. I don't know if you've heard about it. They have these things called highlights. And once you have children, that's what you get to watch, some highlights. So I haven't kept tabs as much on the team uh, this year. From what I have watched, it's an incredibly exciting group. Uh, and I remember th there were some teams where at the beginning of the year and the, the people like, oh, what do you think the team's going to do? Are they going to be a playoff team? Where do you think they're going to finish? And in the later years of my career, I'm like, I, I don't know, but I'm really excited to watch this group of guys play baseball. And from what I've seen from this team so far, that's, they're going to have good days, they're going to have bad days, but it's a really fun team to watch play baseball. And I couldn't have said that much better myself. Thanks to Rusty and all our guests on the show. For my producer, Len Martez. Neil Solon saying stay tuned. The pregame show is coming up. Rays and Red Sox on the Rays Baseball Network.